All right, uh, let's do this. Three, two, and one. Hey, everyone. Thanks for joining us for another episode of the Fox 12 Weather Podcast. This is episode 87. <coughs> I'm going to have to start over. That was a great start, Jeff. Three, two, one, go. <laughs> I got like um, a little granola in my throat. All right. Weatherman, weatherman, we can't allow any further delay. Hey everyone, thanks for joining us for another episode of the Fox 12 Weather Podcast. This is episode 87. Today is Friday, February 2nd, Groundhog Day. I'm meteorologist Jeff Orzron, joined by meteorologist Katie Suniga. Hey Katie. Good morning, gentlemen. And chief meteorologist Mark Nelson. Hey Mark. Good morning, folks. How are you doing? Oh, I just went through um, a handful of hours of GDO. Good day, Oregon. Good day, Oregon. And, uh, a lot of questions about how, how do you feel about Groundhog Day? <laughs> and I, every time I don't know how to answer the question because I have mixed feelings. You know what? It pays the bills. Yeah, that's true. You're right. Katie, Katie, Katie. do you have any quick thoughts about that? I feel about Groundhog's Day like I feel about like Easter and things like that. Like it's a fun little quirky thing, but like, do I believe in the Easter bunny? No. Do I believe yeah. the groundhog is right? No. But is it fun to play with? Sure. Well, we got breaking news. You guys probably don't even know this yet. I have the official, uh, the they don't call them press releases anymore because there's not as much press as there used to be. News release. Uh, Oregon Zoo, Philbert the Beaver, also known as Stumptown Phil, mm. did not see his shadow. So what do you know? The Oregon Zoo says we're going to have an early spring. Spring will come beaverly early this year. All right. Okay. Beaverly early. So there uh, we go. Oh, in fact, I think I've got the graphic here. I, 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 if In case you wonder what Stumptown Phil looks like, here's the, um, there he is right there. <laughs> Look at that cute little guy. He's pretty cute. <laughs> It said in the news release that they had to, I think they have the little uh, little messages there. By the way, if you're watching this in video form, you can see this. If you're just listening, what you're seeing is this uh, beaver with some treats looking over a little piece of paper. And uh, they said they had to guide him to the stump a few times. <laughs> <laughs> oh, poor guy. Yeah. He's All so right. confused. He's like, what so are we doing? early spring, huh? Yeah. Um, well, yesterday we ended up hitting, I think the record, 63. Uh, we, we 62, broke 62. Mark, I looked at the climate records this morning and it came in at 63. What? How's yeah. that possible? Because the six hourly said 62. Do your, do a quick check while I, uh, kill time here. Um, double check on that. Um, yeah, I saw Mark, you did post about 62 and yeah, I, the, the, uh, the high says 62 at midnight as well. 10 PM, 4 PM, 10 PM and midnight. Are you checking that, um, climate page that you have on your the climate page on your it's a, yeah it page? says 62 on the on the monthly one as well which one are you looking at wait a second your i went to your weather page today i just want to double check before it also we... says 62 on the daily climate summary at 4 42 a.m folks we have a oh you're right you're right. you're right you're right i apologize um, 62 is the record. And it's funny you say that because I saw another person in town tweeted or Facebooked at uh, yesterday, and I'm like, he's looking at the five hourly observations. Just for the weather geeks out there, you can look at the observations. The, the ASOS, the weather sensor, puts out observations every five minutes, but those are rounded. How does it work? They're rounded first and then converted to Fahrenheit. So they can be up to a degree off. 
So always look at the hourly observations, and then every six hours you get a high low. I'm not saying Jeff and and no, and you don't know that. I mean, you know this, but we for know the that, other yeah. people out there. Yeah. Well, no, I love when you repeat it because it is always a little bit confusing. So they round it and then they convert it to Fahrenheit. Yeah, I, I think mean, that's the issue. Did I get that right? Yes, I think you did. Yeah, yeah, it's. Yeah. It's it's odd, but that was actually um, one of the first things you told me when I started here a year ago. Was, clearly, I'm were, fixated on that, aren't I? Yeah. Well, we were. Feed. It was right when we were going into that February the cold. deal, and we yeah. were talking about cold, and we were looking at temperatures, and right. then it's one of the first things you taught me. It's a markism. <laughs> it's like don't look at those, don't post about them, don't do it. Hourlies, do hourlies, hourlies. Yeah. Um, all right, so. We've got a lot on tap here, maybe not as much as our last podcast, which ran Sorry. a little heavy. Um, so today we're going to be talking about Groundhog Day. There's obviously a dog in the background. We'll try I'm to sorry about speak that. over that. Um, Katie, go handle that dog. I tried. I'm sorry. Do you want me to go? Yeah, if you, if you okay. don't mind. Yeah. yeah. Um, so today is Groundhog Day. We're going to talk about some of the stats. Mark is going to really get into the nitty gritty regarding that. Um the snowpack, boy, it's been seesawing. That's the term we're using. Mm -hmm. uh, start of January, abysmal. Mid-January, great. And now uh, we're heading down not mm -hmm. a not-so-great path, which we'll cover in a bit. Um, we're looking at a fairly mild forecast. We're going to dive into some of the long-range outlooks, the GFS, the ensemble numbers, and uh, we'll pull in some maps as well. California is about to get hammered by lots of rain, mountain snow, the potential for flooding. So we're mm -hmm. going to... We're going to talk about that toward the end of the podcast, and then we have a term of the week, which is very related to one of our subjects on this podcast today. So there we go. We have a hairy rodent. Multiple yep. views of that if you're watching the podcast well, here. This one was, this is the Stumptown Phil, the local one. And of course, this is Punxsutawney Phil this morning. And apparently, I, 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 he also reached a forecast in early spring. So uh, so how did this get started? First, the, the more recent is that the Groundhog Day, it started back in 1887, the actual Punxsutawney Phil thing um, in Pennsylvania. Originally, was held with a badger. Then they went to the um, Groundhog. Um, you know, you've seen this where all the guys stand up there with their, aren't they, kind of black tie sort of things. And they uh, hold, it, hold up that poor animal February 2nd of each year. But this actually goes much farther back in time. I've got the... Uh, the stuff here. This is actually related to um, astronomy. So it's actually uh, Groundhog Day is the halfway point between the winter solstice and the spring equinox. So in astronomical terms, it's one of the, the eight major seasonal subdivisions of every year. There are a few people out there, uh, even within our local weather geek community that are like big into this, this seasonality stuff. So um, the eight big days, of course, we've got the March and the September equinoxes, right? The sun is halfway up to its summer, halfway down to its winter position. Two equinoxes, that's two. You've got two solstices, that's in December and June. But then, of course, between each of those, you'd have the halfway point. They're also called the cross-quarter cross days. So the four cross-quarter days, if we would just do calendar-wise, it's Groundhog Day, February 2nd. So the sun is halfway up to the spring equinox. Uh, May Day is halfway between the equinox and the, um, the summer solstice. I didn't know about this one, Lamas. L-A-M-M-A-S. Oh, you have heard of it. August 1st. Yeah. Usually we're busy in midsummer. We don't even think about it. And then Halloween is the other cross quarter day. So all this kind of goes together. We have a long history, you know, humanity of like kind of watching the sun. Um, and so the way it ended up with the Groundhog Day, the Celts called the holiday Brigantia after the Celtic female deity of light, reminding them that the sun was halfway up to its journey to the spring equinox this day. 
And then later, the Christian church called the holiday Candlemas, or Candlemas, referring to candles lit in the churches that day. And then German immigrants brought their Candlemas legend with them into the 1880s. Since badgers weren't around, they adopted the groundhog. And that is the end of the groundhog. I want to know what happened with the badger. Like, why did they transition from badger to groundhog? It probably died. Aggressive? Oh, I don't well, know. They they don't live a well. Well, I guess yeah, I, but I don't know. I don't the ground. I'm sure they've gone through a handful of groundhogs too, right? They don't all. Yeah, no, we Here's won't get fun, into. That's kind of dark. Yeah, a, a fun little story. So Oregon Zoo has huge different animals over the years, and this one I remember. This is a blog post from February of 2012, so 12 years ago, and um, they used to do hedgehog forecast. And I remember the one day they sent this press release out, and you can see the person from the zoo holding the hedgehog in the shadow, and they said. The hedgehog couldn't see its shadow, so it's going to be an early spring. And I'm like, why in the picture is the kid being blinded by sunshine in his eye? Right? So I did a whole fun post about this saying it's the biggest hoax ever perpetrated on the state of Oregon. And uh, it was Jabari the hedgehog, which I'm pretty sure isn't around anymore. Oh. Um, I think they live like three years. Um, and, and sure enough, I got an email from a witness later that day that said um, they were holding the hedgehog in their, you know, like in the shade of the person. So there was no shadow. So I thought, well, how suspicious is that, that often the Oregon Zoo, which is an outdoor venue, that often spring is going to come early and we're going to have nice weather coming up. Uh-huh. Right. right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. So are you the reason why they don't use a hedgehog anymore? Did you shame the hedgehog and the, the folks supporting the hedgehog? I don't know, but the hedgehog, pretty sure Jabari is no longer with us. You rest mentioned in, that. Rest in peace, R.I.P. Another yeah. sad point in our podcast. So Sorry. is that the end of our groundhog talk? Once this. a year, we got to do the groundhog or the hedgehog or the beaver. Tony called me Punxsutawney Forger on this morning. <laughs> yeah, I think we do better than those hedgehogs and groundhogs. All right. Let's talk about snowpack, shall we? Yeah. All right. Um, start of January, we were coming off of a mild and warm, kind of rainy uh, December. So the snowpack was in very poor shape. Uh, you can Wait. see the start of January here. Actually, I've messed up the graphics here. So we want to talk the warmth leading into the snowpack, or should we cover snowpack first, now that I've brought this to a halt? You, you want to just... go straight to snowpack? Yeah, I mean, yeah, we'll start yeah, with snowpack, here. and then there we, we go. can go back to the, the January numbers. Yeah, um, yeah. this was January 1st. The uh, vast majority of Western Oregon was seeing less than 50% of the normal snowpack for January 1st. Look at that. 1st. Terrible. That was a bad sign. And then... <laughs> Like the miracle of the middle of the month. I mean, mm-hmm. just absolutely jumped up to near normal or above normal snowpack across the state of Oregon. If you're listening to the podcast, January 19th, the Mount Hood area was seeing 110% of its normal snowpack. So that's just above where it should have been for January 19th. So it went 19 to 110%. Amazing. In about nine days. Loads of snow. Yeah. Um, and then... Here we are, February 2nd, just updated these numbers this morning. We're down Ooh. to 77% of the normal snowpack in the Mount Hood area. It's kind of a reflection of, it's a good reflection of how much of Western Oregon looks. The Southeast basins are still above normal. The John Day basins in decent shape, but um, yeah, we are, we're not picking up a lot of snow right now. We've had high snow levels as of late, as we wrapped up the month of January mm-hmm. and uh, no real sign of big changes coming. So, um, yeah, Katie, you covered this last week. Um, mm-hmm. we'll just briefly cover it here. Start of January was very warm. End of January, quite warm. The middle of the month, obviously, you know what happened. Four straight days below freezing from the 13th to the 16th. Um, when you average the highs and lows together, 
Um, we ended up just below a typical January in terms of temperatures, negative or minus 1.6 degrees. Um, so it was an eventful January. I don't think anybody uh, can challenge that, but right. uh, it wasn't a really cold January when you look at the big picture. Look at Salem. What we're looking at here, folks, if you're just listening, we have uh, this graphic. We don't use it all the time on air, but I like to use it in specific instances. It shows uh, there's 30 different bars, not like the bar you go to to get a drink. 30 little like bars. It's a bar graph. And each bar represents one day. This is for Salem. We have one for a bunch of cities. And the uh, the red indicates the typical high temperature. Notice how it gradually rises in January. The typical low temperature is in blue, which only goes up a little bit. But um, what you see is about average or a little above average through mid-month, four extremely cold days, four little coolish days, and then bang, all the way above average. I mean, Salem had, what was that, maybe 12 days at 50, 52 or higher at the end of the month with lows way above normal. So Salem, you know, most areas away from the Columbia River Gorge, away from the Portland metro area, were above average for the month. Except those tiny little days. I mean, the final average for the month yeah. was for most areas, including north of us. You know, in Seattle, I don't have the Seattle one here, but I, I was surprised. Seattle was, was not nearly as cold as Portland in that they, probably because they didn't have snow cover on the ground, really, I don't think. But they recovered after two or three days of really cold stuff. They were right back to normal. They didn't yeah. have that lingering east wind like we have here, which is pretty amazing because the Arctic air was deeper up there to start with at mid-month. And, you know, even like toward the end of, January and into the first couple of days of this month, there have been times where PDX is five, seven degrees cooler than Salem, just because we have a light east wind coming out of the gorge. Um, yeah, as like opposed to that southerly breeze. Look at the twenty sixth and twenty seventh, Portland forty five, forty eight. You go to this one, it was uh, yeah fifties or even low sixties at the same time in Salem and anywhere in the valley south of PDX. So I think this is more representative of the entire Willamette Valley here. But this one would be more representative of uh, anywhere close to the Columbia River, that easterly wind all, all winter. I mean, it happens a lot in the winter. Most of the time we don't care because it doesn't affect, you know, whether we're going to get freezing rain or snow or ice. But it happens quite a bit that PDX will be cooler and out to Troutdale as well. Uh, when we were doing El, like our El Nino podcast way back in the fall. Oh, yeah. The good old El Nino podcast. And if, by the way, you can always <laughs> revisit those and see how we did. Greatest um, hits. The you mentioned we might have one of those winters where we have a very pesky east wind that just keeps coming back, and that ha you know I next remember guys next podcast I, I have the numbers for Troutdale for like the last fifteen eighteen years let's see how it's going uh, uh, wind gusty east wind days let's see how it's ranking up there. All right, I'm looking forward next to week. It. That's a tease. Yeah, <laughs> you ready right. for that, Katie? The east wind graphic. I will be here next week. There's two weeks coming up that I'm not available. Why well, not? I'll be, be here. here. You can't miss that one. Oh, well, I think I'm here next week, next week after that I'm gone. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, some rain. We got some rain, some rain stats here. Yeah. We pulled these numbers at the end of the month. This is the top 10. This, if you're watching, if you're listening, we're going to describe it to you. This is the top 10 wettest Januaries on record at PDX since records go back to about, or they go back to about 1940 or so. Um, this was the seventh wettest January that we've experienced with uh, nine and 4,300 inches of rain. So it was a pretty wet one. I thought we might crack the top five. That was kind of a debate we had last podcast. Mm -hmm. uh, we did not. So, but 
yeah, it was, again, I don't think that people will necessarily remember January 2024 for the rainfall. They'll probably remember it for the power outages and the snow. Oh, I think so. I agree. Yeah. But um, yeah, still, still noteworthy. Uh, Any, any thoughts, guys? I have one. Um, I think somebody was on one of the local Facebook groups, one of the weather groups. Um, Believe it or not, people get together and discuss weather days on end on a Facebook group. (laughs) Katie's laughing. Uh, But somebody said, how can we have that much rain and no flooding? Well, think about it this way. It's flooding is all about the duration and intensity. We could have, okay, take this example. We could have a half inch of rain every single day for a month and have no flooding in Portland. And how much would that add up to? That would be 15 inches, 15 inches of rain. You know, one of our wettest months ever. Yes. There'd probably be some mudslides here and there, but I mean, uh, our rivers can handle and our creeks can handle a certain amount of rain and in a certain amount of time. But if we have three hours of three tenths of an inch of rain, that's almost an inch in three hours. And then we have the final hour is a half inch of rain. Yeah. That's going to give you flooding. Or if we have two inches in one day after having an inch the previous two days. So, So it's all about intensity and duration. We can handle we can have an extremely wet winter and still have very little flooding. We've had some minor flood warnings, but you know, the Pudding River in the valley all floods a lot. So flood warnings like that usually aren't a typically a big deal. That's a good point that you bring up because um and you're gonna love this. I'm gonna bring up atmospheric rivers really quick. Oh, we um, got more and we got even more atmospheric river action coming up, right? We do, that's right. Um but atmospheric rivers, there's a scale kind of like the category system for a hurricane, but it's it's different. Um mm-hmm. there's category one to category five atmospheric rivers, category one being the weakest, five being the strongest, and it's categorized based off of the amount of moisture it carries and the duration of the event. So a category five hurricane is going to bring a lot of rain um, right. over an extended period of time. Whereas, you know, you might have a category one uh, atmospheric river event, which is not bringing a lot of moisture. And, you know, it might be a slow mover that could be mm-hmm. over a few days. It may not be as intense. So, yeah, Mark, you bring up a good point. Um, you can spread rain across an entire month. We might have a very wet month, but may not have a lot of flooding mm-hmm. as a result. So, um, unfortunately, we are heading, and I say this, unfortunately, for the folks that, are looking to ski and snowboard. Um, we're heading into a pretty mild stretch of weather for the folks that are still kind of reeling from the, the intense mid January snow, ice and down power lines and trees and stuff. Well, mm-hmm. I think you're going to like the forecast heading into the, you know, the heart of February. So we pulled some extended outlooks, uh, Mark's favorite, the Euro King Euro, as Mark likes to call it. Number one global model. <laughs> this is the uh temperature outlook the um the extended it goes all all the way till the mo- middle of the month february 16th and um i think the big picture is that we hardly have any nights that are going to be dropping below freezing if this verifies and a lot of afternoons in the upper 40s and even the 50s maybe some 60s that's the euro there's the gfs and these are ensemble averages we should point out because, you know, you take one operational model run, it could could kind of swing all over the place from run to run, but the averages are always better. The averages really helped us during that whole lead up to the cold event. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so we're seeing similar conditions here. I think the lowest temperature on the ensemble outlook comes around the 10th, the 8th to the 10th, mid 40s. And um, so overnights and a lot of mid to upper 30s and overnights, maybe low 40s and then some fifties peppered in as well. That'd be like uh, mid to later next week, mid to latter part of next week, I should say. And the Euro's kind of that way. This one's the Euro. Yeah. That's kind of the coolest. Notice there's an uptick there on both of them. 
heading towards Valentine's Day. Do you see that? Both of them. Yeah, what's going on? Their temperatures. Let me jump ahead I'll, and we'll come back oh, to your Oh, I think I know what's going on. Yeah. So I have pulled in the, uh, this morning's Euro. Yes. I mean, I'm sorry. The, this morning's GFS. This is just the operational run, but it represents what I think all, all models are showing. This is the five day average, 500 millibar heights. 500 millibar height is about 18,000 feet in the atmosphere. Um, so it's about halfway up through the, yeah, halfway up through the atmosphere, more or less. And what you see is from the five-day point forward, you see a developing ridge. I mean, this is classic, classic El Nino with a developing ridge over southwest Canada, troughing going by through California. And this, this would say that um, that we, are, we will see drier than normal conditions and probably warmer than normal conditions mid mid-February maybe into later February, but at least heading into that, uh, let's see, Valentine's Day is on a Wednesday. So that week, Sunday, the 11th through the se- Saturday, the 17th, somewhere in there, I think we may get our first real fall spring where we see, you know, some widespread 60s. And who knows, maybe after that, we might have some moisture streaming in from the Southwest. And yeah. Could, and, and models are kind of indicating that maybe toward the end of the month, we could see an uptick in precipitation. There you right go. here. Um, so perhaps some atmospheric river type of systems feeding back into the Pacific Northwest. But, you know, Mark, I was looking at the average amount of precipitation that we pick up in the month of February, 3.68. Yeah. Um, look at these, these, these are long range. These are the, the GFS and the Euro extended outlooks. This takes us, uh, I believe through the month of February and man is the Euro Most of dry. It. Look yeah. at how dry the euro is. And that's through having a hard time reading the numbers down there. That's basically through the end of the month. It keeps us below two inches of rain. Is that what I'm seeing correctly? Oh, wait. I didn't realize this is the extended run that runs every yeah. night. So this is the um, the 46-day run. Right. Look at yeah. that. Look at the control run. Yeah. Very dry. Super dry. And I can add to this. I can pile on the dry train here. This is, look at the, um, and this is something I always watch closely. Look at where it has to choose a grid point, a center point, where it's going to gather this data. Um, 10 miles to the east of PDX, which is, so this is actually. That's a wetter location. Yeah, this is. So I always choose, um, when I do this, I do like Aurora or Salem or Hillsborough. And I always watch that grid point. So I bet that's significantly drier right now than this shows. Man. Oh, and I just want to point out for those that don't know, the Euro typically runs wetter than anything else. And when we were looking at the rain for this last Wednesday, I was looking mm-hmm. at different models and some only had a hundredth to a tenth of an inch. And the Euro was saying we were going to get six tenths or more of rain on Wednesday. And what do we need? Yeah. Like two hundredths of an inch. So, yeah. And we had nothing yesterday. Yeah. So, I mean, if the Euro is saying drier, that's I find that interesting because it's usually the bias toward more wet. <laughs> and this is the GFS extended ensemble. And this through the first three weeks of February keeps us below two inches of rain. So between the two extended outlooks, the Euro and the GFS, mm-hmm. both are keeping us below two inches of rain through at least the first few weeks of February with fairly mild conditions, which tells me that that is going to eat away at the snowpack. I mean, the current state of snowpack. I agree. I don't like the direction we're going in, at least. I mean, we could always have a miracle March, right? And um, you know what? I can think of a lot of El Ninos where that has happened. Suddenly March, the this, this split flow pattern is still kind of there, but then we get cooler systems. So yeah, don't write off. Don't, don't scream drought yet. We'll see. 
Well, and we're coming off of an extremely wet December, January period. I mean, we are in a surplus of six inches at PDX alone. I was just mentioning this again on one of these weather groups that um, in the lower elevations, like I have a well here, so much rain. So I bet the groundwater is in great shape in Northwest Oregon and Southwest Washington. It's going to be about the snowpack, you know, for those reservoirs and and those areas east of the Cascades, Central and Eastern Oregon. So so we'll see how it plays out. Look at this snowfall graphic. <laughs> what, what we're looking at here is 24 hours snow from the Euro. This is last night's run. Um, basically, if there's not blue there, there's like almost no chance for snow. Look at that one. If you take oh, two inches or more. So, so if you take, I notice the grid point here is quite close to PDX. Um, but if you take the next two weeks, which goes through the 16th, um, what do we have? One, maybe one run in there that has produces two inches of snow out of the 50 ensemble members in a two week period. So this says it ain't going to snow in the next two weeks, folks. I know this is poor English, but I just want to emphasize that. And I'm thinking of taking off my snow tires. As I was driving home last night, I was like, I don't, I'm tired of hearing this noise. And, you know, they're a little more, they're a little more, eh, you know, a little more wobbly. And actually we have a little impact thing. So I think we might, my son and I might take mine off this, maybe this weekend. And I can put them back on if something shows up in late February. But um, yeah. Yeah. We'll it's not, see. I don't love the direction we're heading in. I was looking at the snow depth. They, they're only measuring now the snow depth or reporting it at the upper bowl of Ski Bowl, which was basically down to about two feet at this point. Of yeah. I, I see that bare spot up here. And you see that in the lower camera. Yeah. Lower yeah. Cam. When I start to see that, it's like, Ooh, and our upper camera is not working, but I bet we're starting to see a little bit up there. Yeah. Some vegetation perhaps. Rocks. Don't say yeah. vegetation. No. Sorry. Um, these are just the averages. <laughs> and we average, it is drier on average. February on average is drier than the, you know, the wettest winter months and not as wet as November, December, January. And March is about the same. Now, first thing I keep hearing, oh, when I say, oh, is this kind of the end of winter? It's pretty mild looking like we're talking about. Oh, it's been snowing a lot in late winters lately. And sure enough, six out of the last 10 Februarys, we've had snow here in Portland. Um, I don't think I'll ever think of Valentine's Day any differently than what, like, I, I don't think I'll ever be able to forget what happened three years ago. 2021. Oh yeah, the ice storm in Salem, and then the snowstorm up here. Well, and we had our fair share of ice even up here. Um, yeah. So it was there was significant coatings of ice in the metro parts of the metro, especially South the Metro was terrible. Like yeah. two to three inches. Lake Oswego. Yeah. Just unbelievable. Katie, you're lucky. Oregon City. Out. It was <laughs> awful. Katie, uh, you were down there. It from Wait, over there. Oh, you're <laughs> over there. Yes. So yeah. thin layer, cold air, so much devastation from Salem northward into the South Metro. Yeah, let's forget about that. Or let's try to forget about it. All right, so... So, uh, Katie, you haven't seen this graphic. I just did this yesterday. I'm going to use it on air tonight. In fact, I'm glad we're going to discuss this because in the graphic that's ready to go for this evening, I say, hey, listen to the podcast and we'll discuss it in detail. So we need to discuss this in detail. (laughs) It's already been decided. That's what we do in TV. Um, This just graphic says the rest of winter. What I did is I went back and I looked at um, these. We're in a strong El Nino, right? So... Uh, very strong El Nino, actually. And so I went back and I looked at since 1950, when the detailed records have been taken, uh, the last nine strong El Ninos, what happened in February and March? You ready for it? Everybody Let's ready? Yep. Here we go. Even Buffalo. though it's all right there. On TV, we reveal slowly, but you know, this is a podcast. So here's all the info. All nine of those were either average or much warmer than average temperatures in both February and March. I looked at the February and March temperatures separately. Um. 
In fact, the last strong El Nino was our warmest ever February 2016. And 1958 was near record warm as well. Hmm. March, there were a few more averages in March, which kind of goes with the, uh, I feel like the effects of El Nino start to slip a little bit in March. Like sometimes we have wet wet and average Marches during El Nino. That that wintertime warmth seems to go away some years. But uh, every one of the Marches was average or near average. And in 1992, that was a near record warm March as well. So, boy, one could argue that um, there's a better than even chance that we have a warmer than average February and maybe March, too. Thoughts on that? It's feeling that way, but... So far. Yeah. And then snow. Boy, this was... Actually, this one's... Well, this didn't surprise me that much. So if you take those nine different strong El Ninos in the past, Portland snowfall... There was only one out of, so there would be 18 months, right? Nine Februarys, nine Marches. Mm. One month out of those 18 had measurable snow. It was January of 1966. I'm January, March of 1966. We had 0.6 inches. And that was the measurable. That wasn't, it was hardly measurable. That's what you're saying. There were two traces in the other months. There weren't even traces in the vast majority of those months. I mean, the chance for late season lowland snow sure seems much lower in these uh, strong El Nino years. So if you're thinking, wait, we've had a lot of snow late season. That's true. That's true. But uh, those have typically been in La Nina winters Mm -hmm. where it stays cooler later into the season. And there we go. Cascade snowfall, eight out of nine years below normal snowfall during those two months. So during February and March specifically. Yeah. I'm looking here. If we break it out by month, uh, every we had out of the February's strong El Nino years, uh, out of the nine, one was average and one was well above average. All the rest are below average. Yikes. March. See, March recovers a little bit. Uh, in the marches, out of the nine marches, we've got one one average and two well above average. And then we have one, two, three, four, five, six below average. So there's a better chance of better snow in March probably than February in an El Nino year like this. Yeah. Interesting stuff, huh? Yes. <laughs> wow, just you, you are just you are speechless at this research. No, I, this research attack looks like this. It's it's it is <laughs> just I am I'm so overwhelmed with the research. So wait, one final point. You like how I say you have any thoughts and I say no, I have more to say. Yeah. Um I, I did check one thing you know, a lot would a lot of people would argue, well, we're in a very cold PDO, Pacific Decadal Oscillation. And a few of these did have a very cold Pacific Decadal Oscillation PDO uh, in 73 and 66. And this year, one of those years was the years that we had March snowfall. That was that March of 66. So in a nod to that, typically I'd say, eh, it's not going to snow again. But in a nod to that one year, it's like, well, it's probably not going to snow again in Portland. And we all know if it snows in March, it usually doesn't have as many impacts. I mean, we do have... We could have some foliage, more foliage on the trees, which could lead to more branches coming down. But it typically doesn't stick for very long if it's a light snow because of the right. higher sun angle. And speaking of more sunshine, here we go. Who it's getting brighter. Uh, February 1st, so yesterday's sunset, 516. We gain another, what, is that 41 minutes? Yeah, 41 minutes of evening daylight. Yeah. And you tend... Yeah, and then you tend to notice it in the morning. That's in the next four weeks. Remember, it's a leap year, folks. You got to do one more day in February this year. Those poor folks that are born on February 29th, they only get a birthday every four years. I have a friend. I'm going to actually see her when I'm going to be gone later this month. I'm going to be visiting her, and she's a leap year baby. Oh. 
Does she celebrate on the 28th or 1st? She celebrates on the 28th. We had a big discussion with her husband about it because he said it was March 1st. And she was like, no, my birthday is in February. So if there's no <laughs> leap year, then I celebrated on the 28th. That makes sense. So, yeah. I was wondering right. about that. That's how she, that's how she goes about it. But I did want to say non-scientifically, probably sometime this last week, I got up with my kids for getting them ready for school and they walked out of their rooms and they, they both said on the same day, Hey, it's not pitch black. Like they just, they realized they came outside and they didn't have to turn the hall light on to see, you know, how to get downstairs. They both noticed and they didn't know the other one said it to me when they came out of their rooms. So they're noticing and driving to school, we have to go up a little hill uh, to get to one of the schools. And the sun is usually right in my eyes when we get to, you know, mm. and so it's it's just starting to come up. And you can just see the, the tip of the, you know, the sun starting to come out when we go up that hill now on our way to school. So we can we can tell in the mornings it's getting And there. the natural natural life around us notices that as well. My chickens and ducks typically start laying soon. They yeah. just a slight increase in daylight. Ooh, eggs it? soon. We get eggs soon. Well, you won't get probably not because I have some old old biddies in there. They're, they're like four years old or so. They're starting to uh, ovaries are slowing down. <laughs> I guess <laughs> that's we enough. We need to get you some new chickens for your birthday. We might. All right, let's get into the California rain that uh, is getting ready to well pummel the state. So between this weekend and early next week. Um, California is set to pick up multi-inch rainfall totals, and we're talking perhaps five or more inches uh, in central and southern California on the coastal wow. areas. Um, so this is the five-day quantitative precipitation outlook for the United States. And what you'll notice is California is going to be the main focus. I mean, there are parts of the southeast that are going to be getting a lot of rain, but that's very typical. Uh, the bright orange shades indicate, you know, four or more inches of rain up and down the Sierra. That's precipitation because, of course, it's going to be snowing up in the higher elevations and coastal California. So let's jump ahead to the next graphic. Uh, These are some of the key messages that the Weather Prediction Center has uh, issued, and they're expecting a strong atmospheric river. We talked about uh, a little while ago what a strong atmospheric river is. It delivers a lot of rain, um, and it can be an extended period of time. And they're expecting this to occur from February 4th to the 6th. Heavy mountain snow. The Sierra will likely pick up multi-foot snowfall totals. Um, our, guys, I was using our snow forecast graphic, the mm-hmm. the uh, the graph model, and I don't think we had enough colors to represent just how much snow is going to be falling up there. Is that starting to bother you too? Because I've used that three days in a row, and I'm like, that red color, we need to have another color up there and change the... Uh, the whole to- Sierra was just that dark red. Yeah. You know? mm. okay. So maybe we need to address. Um, excessive yeah. rainfall will likely lead to flooding. Um, I can think back to uh, El Nino years in the past where areas like Malibu, Santa Barbara, the coastal areas that have hills that tend to lead to mudslides with a lot of rain falling on them, uh, those are the areas that are going to be more prone to um, flash flooding and debris flows. So... Yeah. I mean, it's it's looking ugly in terms of the forecast. And then, of course, there will probably be some strong winds and high surf. So if you have family and friends down in California, make sure that they're keeping an eye on the forecast. And if they live in any of those flood-prone areas, make sure that they're taking precautions. Um, this is going to be a, a heck of an event. But they could use it. Uh, this is very helpful in the long term for the water supply, especially when the Sierra and the higher elevations in Southern California pick up snow. So um, 
So they, the key message here is you better cover up the pool so too much water doesn't get in it. <laughs> right. Is that a yeah. key message? Everybody has a pool down in the Southwest. Yep. <laughs> now. <laughs> Good stuff. All right. Um, the term of the week this week is snow water equivalent. You guys have probably seen us show the snowpack. Um, we mm-hmm. showed it in the podcast. Uh, we show it on TV. Um, the Oregon snowpack, at least. And uh, the acronym is SWE, snow water equivalent. Um, if either of you want to take this away, I don't want to, you know, keep rambling, but basically the snow water equivalent is if you were to take the snow and melt it down, um, this would give us a better idea of how much water is contained in the snow because different snowstorms produce different types mm-hmm. of snow. Um, you know, some of it can be fluffy, some of it can be wet, some, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so this gives us a better idea of like, you know, how this could contribute to our water supply and how we may use the water resources later in the year. Um, this is a huge thing in the West. I mean, the whole Western USA from the Rockies westward, because we have dry summers. And so what those water resource managers are like, they don't care about the depth. They just want to know how much water is sitting in the bank. Like when we check our, our checking or savings account, like what do I have in the bank? Well, they're, they are checking the, uh, that's a bank of summer water sitting there ready to come down into the ground and reservoir. So uh, that's critical. Big deal across the West. SWE. Yeah. And we represent, it's represented in percentage. So let's say it's February 1st. We have a kind of an idea of where our snow water equivalent percentage should be or how much snow or water should be in the snowpack. And we do a comparison. So depending on if the snowpack is below normal, mm-hmm. then we might be looking at 77% of the normal snowpack, which is roughly where we are right now. Um, so we're not in the best shape right now. We hope those numbers are at like 100% or greater uh, heading into the springtime uh, for multiple reasons. But um, that's the that's the basics regarding snow water equivalent. Hey, Jeff, I got to say, this is way... Way out of out of uh, off the subject matter, but um, you look great today with the tie on. You came to the podcast dressed up because you know you. mornings are a little bit looser, not like evenings. We're a little uptight in the evenings with our ties and nice clothing. But um, you look like the professor. Today is um, National Wear Red Day. Uh, it's ah. bring awareness to um, cardiovascular disease in women, and mm-hmm. so unfortunately, I don't have any red suits. I don't have any red shirts, <laughs> um, but I do have a red pin. Oh, look at that. Look at that. And I have a reddish tie. I had a few different options, but this was probably the best one. I've got a red one. I've got a red tie. I put it off. I put it right there. I had a note to myself since the email came out, like, wear red when you're on the air on Friday. So I didn't wear any for the podcast, but, you know, I just woke up. I wore it on Wednesday since I didn't work today. Oh, there There you go. I wore red Way to represent. (laughs) So everybody on Good Day Oregon was wearing red, and you'll probably see other newscasts later today with Mark and our other anchors wearing red. So. Um, it's a good cause, but guys, it was a fun podcast. Hopefully yeah. things changed regarding the forecast in terms of the snowpack, of course, but I think we could use a few mild days out there. Um, yeah, hopefully. enjoy it. Yeah. And have a great weekend. It looks like it's going to be a dry one. We should have covered that, but you should already know that because you've been watching our, our newscasts, right? And yeah. You... Does it still looks dry, right? Did the, the graph didn't come around and produce anything other than a sprinkle Saturday? Okay. Yeah, uh, just an overnight sprinkle. And then um, it looks like snow is going to be moving up into central and eastern mm-hmm. Oregon Sunday. I saw that. And then between Sunday night and Monday, the, sh- the rain will start to spill over the Cascades into our western valley. So uh, just keep in mind, Monday morning's commute will probably be a little bit wet. But yeah. Did the, did, I'm sorry, did the NAM three kilometer back off? It backed off. Yep. Of course it did. Okay. Yeah, that thing was, it was 
for for some context, that was the outlier showing some rain on Saturday, and I was I was kind of worried because we've mm. been advertising a dry weekend, and I know a lot of you could use that. So, anyways, thanks for joining us for episode eighty-seven of the Fox Twelve Weather Podcast. We'll be back next week with more updates regarding your forecasts and all things weather. Talk to you soon. You're waiting and hesitating and tell us, please tell us about the weather.